Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is January the 24th, and on this day in 1848, a millwright discovered gold along the banks of the Sutter's Creek in California, forever changing the course of history in the American West. A tributary to the South Fork of the American River, east of Sacramento Valley in San Francisco, Sutter's Creek was named for a Swiss immigrant who came to uh, Mexican California in 1839. John Augustus Sutter became a citizen of Mexico and won a grant of nearly 50,000 acres in the lush Sacramento Valley, where he hoped to create a thriving colony. He built a sturdy fort that became the center of his uh, first town uh, and purchased farming implements, livestock, and a cannon to defend his tiny empire. Copying the methods of the Spanish missions, Sutter induced the local Indians to do all the work of his farms and ranches. Workers who dared leave his empire without permission were often brought back by armed posses to face brutal whippings or even execution. In 1840s, uh, Sutter, uh, Sutter's Fort became the first stopping-off point for overland Anglo-American immigrants coming to California to build farms and ranches. Though sworn to protect the Mexican province from falling under the control of the growing number of Americans, Sutter recognized that his future wealth and influence lay with those American anglers, a- Anglo uh, settlers. With the outbreak of the Mexican War in 1846, he threw his support to the Americans, who have emerged victorious in the fall of 1847. With the war over and California securely in the hands of the United States, Sutter hired the millwright James Marshall to build a sawmill along with the south fourth of the American River in January 1848 in order to redirect the flow of water to the mill's water wheel. Marshall supervised the excavation of a shallow mill race. On the morning of January the 24th, 1848, uh, Marshall, who looked over the freshly cut mill race with a sparkle of light in the uh, dark earth, caught his eye. Looking more closely, Marshall found that much of the mill race was speckled with what appeared to be small flakes of gold, and he rushed to tell Sutter. After Nasser confirmed that the flakes were indeed gold, Sutter quietly set about gathering up as much of the gold as he could, hoping to keep the discovery a secret. However, word soon leaked out, and within months the largest gold rush in the world had begun. Ironically, California Gold Rush was a disaster for Sutter. Though it brought thousands of men to California, the prospectors had no interest in joining Sutter's despotic agricultural community. Instead, they overran Sutter's property, slaughtered his herds for food, trampled his fields, and by 1852, uh, uh, his settlement was ruined and Sutter was nearly wiped out. Until his death in 1880, he spent his time unsuccessfully petitioning the government to compensate him for his losses he suffered as a result of the gold rush he unintentionally ignited. Uh, a little, little example of uh, what goes around comes around there, isn't it? The way he treated the, the people that work for him. Uh, Sutter, who did not prosper at all from what he discovered, gold in California. 
Well, stocks were mixed yesterday as the Nasdaq grows and the S&P 500 notched a third straight record high, but the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed lower due to some weak company earnings. Futures are up a little bit to start the high trading today. We're going to get to the election here in just a moment, but first, Florida has been ranked as the number one state to retire, according to a study by WalletHub. Uh, number one, the study also ranked Florida number one for the quality of life for seniors among all 50 states. Florida continues to attract new residents to Florida because of the state's favorable tax structure, low crime rate, and record economic growth that provides opportunities for Florida families. In recent months, Florida is also ranked number one for talent attraction by Lightcast and number one for entrepreneurship by Digital Project Manager, and Florida leads the nation in new business formations with over 2.8 million new businesses formed since 2019. These rankings continue to demonstrate that Florida's investment in the workforce education, strong infrastructure, economic development has propelled Florida forward and created a strong economy that creates opportunities for families. WalletHub also ranked Florida number four for affordability for seniors in comparison to other states, which is probably good news because of the way uh, real estate escalated in value here in the state of Florida. <clears throat> number one for retirement, state of Florida. Well, the tiny township of Dixville Notch once again upheld its longstanding tradition as the first town in New Hampshire to vote in the primaries with all six registered voters casting their ballots in favor of neocon Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley expressed her gratitude and excitement upon hearing the results. A great start to a great day in New Hampshire, she said. Thank you, Dixville Notch. Well, uh, that was about the end of the good news for uh, Nikki Haley. She maintained her enthusiasm throughout the uh, uh, evening. However, former President Donald Trump was given the projected victory in the New Hampshire GOP primary. Last night, right at about 8 p.m., the former president earned 11 delegates with 55 percent of the uh, Republican vote. It's a blow to Haley's campaign, which had narrowed in on Trump's lead ahead of the primaries, but ended up losing by 11 percent. Trump's victory in Iowa last week was an historic landslide in record margins, but the more independent state of New Hampshire figured to be a better uh, better ground for former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. It was, but Trump still pulled off a rare back-to-back -back victory uh, in, in uh, the first in the nation caucus and primary state. Trump is the first Republican to sweep competitive votes in both Iowa and New Hampshire since 1976 when the two states cemented their uh, status as the first nominating contest. Haley said she had to win in New Hampshire, Trump wrote on True Social. She didn't, in all caps, as only Trump could do. Trump's big Iowa victory knocked out the rest of the field while Haley came up short in her effort to even carry momentum into her home state of South Carolina next month. Trump is expected to roll into February 8th Nevada caucus uncontested. Haley is not on the caucus ballot, but is in the ballot for the state-run Nevada primary on February 6th, but no GOP delegates are at stake in that primary. New Hampshire is the first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. The race is far from over, Haley said in a speech delivered quickly after the polls closed and the race was called. <clears throat> I think she's uh, looking through rose-colored glasses, quite frankly. A poll of Donald Trump and Nimarata, or Nikki Haley, supporters in New Hampshire revealed that Trump supporters are backing the 45th president because of his record and stances on key issues like immigration. The same data reveals that Haley is, pri is primarily backed only as a vehicle to stop Trump, 
While Haley has argued she is the candidate best placed to defeat Joe Biden, no poll respondents gave her uh, this as their reason for supporting her. The share of Haley uh, supporters who said they, she was the best to beat Biden was 0%. So she continues to run, though. By the way, she's uh, repeatedly used the line, it's time for an accountant in the White House during her GOP uh, primary campaign. The assertion functions as an attempt to criticize her rival's spending uh, records uh, with all the debt that we've accumulated. However, despite her having a bachelor's degree in accounting, Haley is not, uh, uh, never has been a certified public accountant license. Her bookkeeping experience is limited to her time as chief financial officer at her parents' gift shop business, Exotica International. It has a fo- poor financial record. The company was hit with three liens for failure to pay taxes, resulting in thousands of dollars in penalties with interest. Records show Exotica also had a habit of filing taxes over a month late, well above the industry standard. It closed its doors in 2008. The financial troubles followed her uh, to the Trump administration. Bankers attempted to foreclose on her parents' lake house in South Carolina and tried to track her down at the United Nations, and uh, security turned them away. Haley once listed her exotica salary as $125,000, requesting the same amount when she applied for a job at Lexington Medical Center. Her tax returns, however, show that she never earned more than $47,000 a year. Haley has uh, also been careless with her personal taxes and has had to pay thousands of late payment penalties in the 2000s. So uh, she, <laughs> she was an accountant, but uh, not an effective one. Well, uh, D.C. Uh, District Judge Colleen McMahon ordered the release of James Cromighty, uh, James Cromighty, imprisoned in 2010 over a plot to bomb the synagogue and shoot down military aircraft after evidence showed the Federal Bureau of Investigation orchestrated the scheme. Nothing about the crimes of conviction was of the defendant's own making, Judge McMahon wrote in her opinion. The real lead conspirator in the United States was the United States, she continued. FBI informants uh, uh, Rope Karamati and the, the other black Muslims already released into the, in the plot. The FBI invented the conspiracy, identified the targets, manufactured the ordinance, McGann noted. The agency federalized what would otherwise have been a, sta- a state crime by driving three of the men into Connecticut and picked the day for the mission, she wrote. While McMahon branded Cromighty's uh, anti-Semitism and agreement to take part in the terror attacks heinous, she stressed he could never have dreamed up the plot on his own. Authorities have been accused of using similar tactics against right-wingers. Efforts to convict a group uh, involved in a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer were dogged by mistrials and acquittals after defense lawyers argued the federal informants enticed the defendants into the conspiracy. Two years ago, a poll found that 46% of Americans regard FBI leadership as politicized thugs, using the agency as Joe Biden's personal Gestapo. Just think about that. After 2010, he's been in in jail, and uh, basically the judge said, you know what, he didn't orchestrate this, it was the FBI. It's a, it's a sad day in America when you see something like an agency of the federal government who's supposed to be enforcing the law actually uses the law against its citizens. Well, the Georgia Senate is set this week to authorize a subpoena-powered investigative committee to probe the alleged corruption of Fannie Willis, the Fulton County's district attorney. 
The potential committee is significant because uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp refused to launch a criminal investigation into Willis last week, citing the need for a currently non-operational oversight committee to open the probe. The proposed Georgia Senate committee could hold subpoena power as soon as later this week to secure the attendance of witnesses or the production of documents and materials related to Willis, according to the resolution. The committee, the only type of its kind in the state of Georgia, would comprise nine senators. Uh, The filing alleges the following. Nathan Wade, Willis's lead prosecutor in the Trump case, had an improper relationship with Willis. Uh, Wade's law firm used funds paid for by the county to take Willis on the luxury vacations by using potentially fraudulent payments. Wade was appointed without the required approval by authorities, and Wade and Willis met twice with the President Joe Biden at the White House Council before indicting Trump in August. Such a relationship, if proven to exist, would constitute a clear conflict of interest and a fraud upon the taxpayers of Fulton County. Uh, she's going to face the music. She used her position instead of being fair and uh, trying to adjudicate and lead uh, investigations fairly for for its citizens. uh, She was using this for all personal self-gain. So unfortunate. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Call Your Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. I always look forward to our discussions. We usually start our discussions with uh, good news and things that are going on that perhaps uh, make us smile a little bit. Uh, Do you have any good news for us today? Well, the good news, I'm going to talk about it in greater depth in a few minutes, but the uh, Trump win in New Hampshire, uh, I would have liked to have seen it larger. It looks like it's going to be 11 or 12 points. Uh, That's very significant. That's a significant plurality. I would have liked to have seen it up to 30 or 40, but uh, that was not to be, primarily because the the, uh, process of the uh, crossover votes, uh, I understand only uh, 70% of Haley's votes were not from registered Republicans. So, uh, no, Hampshire was in no way a good indicator of, uh, of Trump's strength, uh, even though he did win by 11 or 12 points. So that was good news uh, uh, as in general. Uh, I also saw in the last week the, uh, the dropout of Ron DeSantis was a piece of good news, uh, uh, not not for any other reason other than for Ron DeSantis himself. And again, I'll talk about that more uh, more in a minute, Bob. So interesting. Well, I agree with you. Uh, and uh, let's. I, I think it's important what you pointed out is that Nikki Haley uh, was supported primarily by people who didn't want Trump to be president. So uh, she was the the vote for for her was usually a, a vote against against Trump. It wasn't for anything that she represents. Well, if anyone understands the full background of Nikki Haley and what she represents, she is a full uh, a full liberal Democrat by every measurement, Bob. Now, uh, again, I'm going to get back into that in a second, point out some of her prior policies, uh, existing policies, actually. Uh, and I think that they should disqualify her as a Republican candidate. So uh, let, let me get back to that. There's, there's one one quotation I want to get to, because of its absurdity. A political reporter for CBS, Catherine Watson, uh, on on X uh, tweeted or wrote that posted I guess is the best word. Why do people work so hard just to continue the human race in apocalypse movies when the world is falling apart? Is it really all that bad if we as a species cease to exist? Now I mean that <laughs> to me highlights the acumen of the reporters that exist across the wide expanse of liberal media. Now, to not understand that humanity is the only thing that appreciates a sunset, a flower, the glory of a lion, the glory of a zebra without wanting to eat it, uh, I think uh, to not understand what humanity represents is just a a typical absurdity of the lack of true acumen uh, that is associated with most liberal thinkers. I use the word advisedly, thinkers, Bob. Well, I'm so happy you brought that up. That is such a nihilist point of view. Unbelievable that (laughs) she places no value on the human species. That's unbelievable. 
Well, I cease to be amazed at some of the comments coming out of these uh, people on the media, on the left, and CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Scarborough Show. I mean, the the idiocy is so rampant that it's hard to imagine that uh, uh, these people are not willfully being ignorant, because I don't believe you can be accidentally that ignorant. Uh, I guess you can be, but uh, it's it's amazing the depth of ignorance they demonstrate. But I think we're all fairly cognizant of that uh, that that particular phenomenon um so again if you, you have any other thing you want to say about well, that, no i just want to uh, wonder if you have some more good news for us uh the, the more good news was let's see now that that was the good news all right and now that was my quote of the day so uh, let, let me just move into something i wanted to talk about last week um if you look at my background, I spent two years in the Strategic Air Command. That's the, the unit of the American Air Force that would be uh, in charge, let's call it, of delivering a nuclear retaliation. So uh, I spent two years in that, in that unit. I had a, uh, a talking relationship with General Kiefer, uh, the, the commander of 8th Air Force, because I was working in 8th Air Force Command Post. I'm only telling you these things because I want to talk about what Trump said uh, a week ago, 10 days ago, uh, and now, you, as you know, and your listeners know, I'm a big Trump supporter. And, and so I'm, I'm just going to challenge this, uh, this Trump position of wanting to build a dome, which would essentially replicate with better technology the strategic defense initiative uh, that, was, that was built, that was trying to be built under Reagan. It, it never came to being. The technology wasn't there. What Trump says is the technology is now here for that. Uh, Reagan had said that the concept of the uh, mutually assured destruction, MAD, was a, uh, a, a joint uh, suicide pact, which is, you know, I just think Reagan did not understand the importance of mutually assured destruction. If the United States built a dome that was actually successful in retarding all types of incoming nuclear missiles, the, the point of a, an attack on us would have to take place before the final installation of that dome. So again, if we're looking at mutually assured destruction, it has prevented nuclear war since uh, its, its advent in 1948-49 when the Soviet Union developed an atomic and, uh, and, ato- and hydrogen weapons. And to suggest that mutually assured destruction could easily be dismissed and allow the United States to retard a, a first strike or initiate a first strike without fear of retaliation. You can only imagine in the future if some... Uh, if some uh, crazed eccentric came into the White House. Uh, I don't have to imagine that too too much, Bob. Uh, what, what is the possibility that that particular phenomenon, in other words, we would be able to defend ourselves, would in fact prompt the potential of a first nuclear strike, either by, let's say, the Soviet, uh, Russia, or a, a first strike by the United States itself. So, uh, those are just my, my brief comments on this dome aspect. I think it's, it's a bad position to take. I believe that Trump, once he's more fully informed of the implication of, of what it suggests and the trillions of dollars, by the way, that would have to be invested in it, uh, and it, it can never be tested until it was needed. So you're going to establish a trillion-dollar, multi-trillion-dollar system that we won't even know works until it is actually tested. So I think that's enough on that. I just wanted to make that particular point. It may become a bigger story in the future. Right now, it's just something lurking in the background, Bob. So if I understand the, your theory of the case, though, is that by actually to trying to defend ourselves with, with this dome concept, we literally make ourselves vulnerable for, a, for a, an initial strike before it's completed. 
I think that is exactly the, the case. I, I think that mutually assured destruction, which is the potential that either side who initiates a, a first strike will be destroyed in a retaliatory strike, I think that is a critical component of what has kept us safe from nuclear war. Uh-huh. Once there is an imbalance in that process, that would be really an imbalance of, uh, created by that dome, if it worked, or forget if it worked, if it was just installed, uh, that would be a, a strong uh, uh, pressure uh, to launch a nuclear strike before that moment, Bob. So uh, it may become an important issue, I think, in the long run, if it is actually acted on, it would become something that is extremely dangerous, Bob. That's so interesting. Well, thank you for that, Andy. You need to take a little break and you stick around? I will be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett. He's a candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. He's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Gret, Republican for Collier County, Supervisor of Elections, and an all-around great guy. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. Thank you. I want to ch- change gears just a little bit and talk. let's talk about what's going on in Texas right now, because we've had a kind of a uh, Texas trying to defend its own border. 
And uh, now, and the Supreme Court is basically saying, well, because of the supremacy clause, you can't violate the law and keep the feds out. It's kind of at a standoff right now. But what are your thoughts? Well, in the first place, I failed to see how that ruling, in fact, uh, helps any United States citizen. No. Now, I'm, I've always advocated that the Supreme Court should act constitutionally, regardless of impact. Right. Now, I guess the people who would defend that decision would say that's exactly what they've done. But I think it's an extremely gray area in the, con- in the Constitution in terms of federalism, whether the state itself can initiate a border defense that would be independent of the federal government. Uh, merely because the federal government controls uh, immigration policy and so forth, doesn't mean that a state cannot defend itself from what is clearly an invasion. Now, Texas, as as you're aware, Bob, has has laid an extensive amount of barbed wire, particularly down in the Eagle Pass area of Texas, and it's worked very successfully in at least limiting uh, 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 illegal penetration through that area. The Supreme Court, uh, five to four, uh, with uh, Judge Roberts and Amy Coney, Coney Barrett uh, supporting the liberal position, essentially, have ruled that uh, Border Patrol agents can go into that area, although it's, state, it's a state area, it's a state park, essentially, uh, can go in and dismantle, take, cut apart that barbed wire. Now, uh, they, they listed the need for the border agents to fulfill humanitarian services to the illegal immigrants that was being prohibited by the existence of the barbed wire. Hmm. So here we have a decision that is at best a gray area of the Constitution being supported by two who are normally considered to be conservatives, and they're obviously not conservatives, Roberts and and Barrett, Uh, and we have a decision that in no way can possibly help any American citizen. Uh, So I, I regret this decision. It is not one that was constitutionally mandated, which I would support if that was the case. Mm. But it is not in that category, Bob. And I think it's a very serious uh, contribution uh, to the ongoing problem that we're seeing uh, in terms of illegal uh, immigration, Bob. That's an interesting assessment. And my view is that uh, where I think the uh, Texas uh, National Guard went over the border or the boundary here is when they prohibited uh, federal agents from doing their job. So uh, I, I definitely think they have a right to protect uh, Texas, but not necessarily the right to prohibit uh, federal agents from doing their jobs. I, I really, you know, this is something I can't document, but I think that was just a talking point that was that was used to, to defend the decision and defend the process. It may, in fact, be true, uh-huh. uh, but essentially, if we're preventing people from even getting in, I don't. I fail to see how the the border guards have any responsibility until that barbed wire is penetrated. Yeah. So, on the other side of it is is Mexico, essentially. So, I it may be true. That's Maybe a good I point. don't know enough about it. That that's very possible. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't see that as being anything but a propaganda talking point to defend the decision. Well, that's a very interesting point. I'm happy you brought that up, Andy. <laughs> so, right now. Uh, Texas is uh, continuing to lay its uh, barbed wire uh, in in uh, really not following the Supreme Court's decision. So this is going to be an interesting development because there's no place to appeal this. Although Ken Paxton, their attorney general, says that he's going to take action, and we'll see where this goes. Well, I, I don't know how it's going to go. I do predict that as long as we're uh, we're in this particular court makeup, that it will continue. Uh, to rule, this is, we can go back to Jan Brewer in the in, the, in 2008 2009, uh, who was almost turned into a criminal by Obama uh, because she was trying to fulfill 
federal immigration policies. This is not in that category, actually. This is a, a whole different situation. Yeah. Is there a right to self-defense of the state, the tech, state of Texas for illegal actions? And I think that is the basic premise uh, that Gap Abbott was, was operating under, and I think it's a very valid premise, Bob. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. So uh, let's let's go back to the campaign. Let's go back to the uh, to uh, the uh, primary last night and uh, what happened. Uh, I wanted to flush out your, your thoughts a little bit more about Haley and uh, Trump and DeSantis and what happened. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said there. Let me just uh, introduce a few interesting subset points, uh, which I think are worth, are worth talking about. Uh, the United Nations is creating its 2024 calendar for its conference on disarmament. That conference on disarmament, the United Nations, yeah. will be chaired by... Iran. That's right, Bob. Iran. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you, you might have seen that. Yes, I, I, I saw I, it. I, now, this is an alphabetical assignment, so uh, no one said Iran is the best best country to, to chair this. It was just that they were next in line. Nevertheless, it has a certain sour taste about it oh. to have uh, the leading country sponsor of terrorism... Uh, state uh, state sponsor sponsor of terrorism to be chairing that particular conference, but you know that's that's the United Nations, Bob. Yep, absolutely. That's a, such an interesting point. I'm happy you brought that up. I, I saw it, but I didn't think I'd elevate it to the point of talking about it here on the show. And I'm glad you did it because it just shows the complete absurdity of the UN and how useless it is in terms of uh, maintaining good world order and, and keeping and uh, enforcing law. Well, I mean, if we just look at the last 20 years and the, the condemnations of nation states by the United Nations, 83% of their condemnations have been, again, wait for it, Israel. Yeah. They've ignored Zimbabwe, they've ignored China, they've ignored the Congo, they've ignored everything. The condemnations, 83%, have been condemnations of the state of Israel. So, I mean, if nothing else, uh, that highlights the uh, the absurdity of what this uh, what this body has degraded into, Bob. No. So let me let me move past that because again, it's it's just a, a passing point, but it's it's interesting if nothing else. Absolutely. Uh, a very interesting and important point is the the number of white recruits in the United States Army has dropped off precipitously, not just a minor drop-off. Mm -hmm. If we look at, for example, the number of new Army recruits, white Army recruits in 2018, Bob, 44,000, 2018. In 2023, 25,000. Mm -hmm. 25,000. So we're going from 44,000 to 25,000 from 18 to 23. Now, we can de define this reason for the drop-off in many ways. I, I think it's because the white recruits that used to want to, that had in the past wanted to go into the military to to document their manhood, let's call it, or to, to serve the country bravely and patriotically, many different reasons. But I think right now the white recruits see the United States military as being an unfriendly place to go. It's driven by diversity. It's driven by all kinds of, of strange new regulations that have really have put the, uh, the white soldiers into a, uh, a vast minority in terms of how they're being covered and protected. So uh, that's perhaps serious in the long run in terms of our national defense posture above. Absolutely. And Andy, how much do you think that, for example, if you don't get vaxxed, vaxxed 
uh, you're going to be let out of the military. I think that plays an important role to see how people were treated unfairly with, when, with regard to their own health and well-being by the military. It just is totally absurd. I think things like that just really in, encourage people to say, maybe I'd like to consider another uh, career opportunity. I think that's that's exactly it, Bob. There are so many things that in the last few years have, have come up that have been so unfair and so absurd in terms of their, their value. The United States military should make every decision on the basis of whether or not it enhances the security of this country. Right. And certainly the decisions that they've made, although they defend their decisions on that basis, have certainly not been in that category. Uh, so again, a lot of young men, particularly from the, uh, from the South, that would uh, previously have gone into uh, to further their lives and, and put four or five or ten years under their belt in the military, uh, now we're no longer doing that. They're, they're finding other ways to fulfill themselves. Absolutely, Andy. We need to take another break. Can you stick around? I'll be here. Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets to some upcoming great performances. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We visit and continue the visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josefa Savaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be here. 
Let's get back to the primary last night and uh, what happened. Let's peel the onion a little bit with, with regard to the results and the candidates. Well, if we look back to uh, comments I previously made, 70% of Nikki Haley's votes came from non-Republicans. I think that is the, the reason that Joe Biden did not put himself on the primary ticket. I think that <clears throat> Joe Biden was trying to free up uh, as many, let me just clear my throat up, <clears throat> as many crossover votes as he could from Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we look at Nikki Haley's campaign, uh, it, is a, is, it is a Democrat Excuse me, I'm really, I'm really getting hoarse here, Bob. Excuse me one second. <laughs> You're doing fine, Andy. Well, I think that's a little better. Okay, uh, Nikki Haley is is a is a Democrat by all measurements. I mean, she uh, she uh, during the uh, George Floyd riots, she said uh, that we all have to share the common pain of those riots. She she supported them. She has been an advocate uh, for carbon tax, uh, the unlimited support of. Uh, of Ukraine. Uh, you know, she was formerly on the board of directors at Boeing, and uh, there's a strong feeling that she has, a str- has strong links uh, to the industrial military complex. Right. Uh, she's, she's got so many different uh, uh, picadillos in her background that to even uh, presume she has the right to run as a Republican, I think, is, is, is challengeable. Uh, so we have a candidate that, uh, to me, becomes very suspect. In other words, if we look at a, a person who's running, and she's not even a Republican, in fact, not a Republican. And she's now staying in the race as she goes now to South Carolina, her home state, where the leading nine Republicans in that state have all come out to support Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And she's trailing by 30 points, and she's staying in the race. There's something else going on here, Bob. I'm not sure exactly how to define it. If we look at uh, her financial support, particularly coming from Reed Hoffman, one of the strong Democratic supporters, gave her $250,000. The Koch brothers have given her an established, a tremendous amount of money. She is an open borders uh, proponent. Uh, there, there's nothing that would align her with any basic Republican position. Uh, when I hear people talking about her, her, her candidacy, I listen to some of these people being interviewed, and they say, well, they want her because she'll give us a stronger economy. On what basis? I know. A stronger foreign policy. On what basis? Uh, so we're looking at a candidate that has almost no drawing power uh, 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 among mainline Republicans who is refusing to drop out of this race, although she has not only no clear path to, uh, to victory, she has no path to victory, and she's staying in. Bob, there is something else that is going on with the Nikki Haley candidacy. Well, I think you defined it well. It's just the stream of money. When the Koch brothers cut off the money, she'll end her campaign. Uh, and you, I think you also have to consider the fact that she's elevating uh, the awareness of who she is uh, with a broad, uh, you know, swath of people around the United States, including business owners, you know, this enhances her value on boards. It's, so there's a lot of personal benefit that will come out of keeping her campaign going if, in fact, they continue to fund her campaign. Well, again, I think the funding has to be uh, considered as the uh, the prime factor in this whole equation that she gains personally from maintaining her uh, her her presence. Uh, that may that may be true. I guess it is. Uh, I can't define either way. Uh, but on the other hand, we're looking at someone who, in my estimation, is seriously damaging the Republican chances of winning in 2024. Yeah. Uh, I think once she's out of this process, she officially withdraws, as she should have done uh, after Iowa. 
uh, I think then the party can can unify behind Donald Trump, uh, and we can find we can see who falls out of the tree who is not supporting Donald Trump. So I think we have to get this thing focused. I think that Haley is doing nothing more than preventing that focus from taking place and then minimizing or partially minimizing our chances of winning in in November, Bob. Well, I, I disagree in just just this way. I don't think she's dampening uh, the Trump going forward. I think her Trump's supporters are avid and they are uh, real and they are it's it's visceral and how they respond to Donald Trump. The people who support Donald Trump believe he is the last best opportunity to save the nation. I think most people who support Trump really believe that. So I don't think what's going on right now diminishes any of that. And uh, I think we'll only, in, <clears throat> and as of, of course we see the lawfare and all the other things that are going on, it's just amazing how that just reinforces uh, people's belief in President Donald Trump. I, I totally agree with that. I wasn't talking before about the Trump voters. I think they're exactly as you described them, Bob. They're they're committed. I am. There's nothing that would get me off Donald Trump. Uh, nothing at this point that, at all that would get me off uh, the great Donald Trump. He had the, the finest presidency, four-year presidency, I think, in this country's history. Right. So, I mean, if, if there's uh, anything else to be said, I, I don't know what it is. that Those four years define the absolute reason to vote for Donald Trump. Now, I'm talking about the Republican Party, which has always been... Uh, uh, wishy-washy in terms of strong conservative positions. They right. certainly have been wishy-washy in terms of Donald Trump himself. So I think that Haley staying in this race is just delaying this this, uh, coag this coagulation, this coming together of mm. the party yeah. to support Trump. Not the voters, but the party to get behind him as a single entity, Bob. You make a good point. I mean, uh, But I think there are a lot of rhinos out there, a lot of Republicans of name only, the point being is that uh, we have the Republican Party, then we have conservatives and pe people who want to make America great. They are not necessarily the same subset. That's absolutely true, Bob. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, uh, if we look at why people support uh, Trump, uh, it's not a cult process. If, if Trump had not done the job in 2016 forward, I would not support him. I have no... Uh, personal deep affection for Donald Trump uh, that would warrant that. He, I, I support him avidly because he did the job like no other person could have done that during that four-year period. So uh, I think it's just uh, absurd when I hear some of the commentary. Almost everybody that I hear that's resisting the Trump candidacy uh, typically only offers uh, what can be seen as uh, leftist talking points about Trump. They offer very little reality about Trump, just they repeat the, the talking points that have been uh, contrived by the leftist media. Above. I know. When I have, when I have attempts at conversations with people who don't support Trump, uh, I hear things like, well, he's a narcissist, or uh, we need a fresh face, or <laughs> all these little epithets that people are claiming that are just absolutely have no merit whatsoever. What, my, my comment would be, so what if he is a narcissist? Look what he did for the American people uh, during his presidency. Uh, if, if that's what he, he's a narcissist, let's bring back a narcissist. Can you run for the presidency of the United States and not be a narcissist? <laughs> That's I mean, a great how, point. How is that possible that you feel you're entitled to be president of the greatest country in the history of the world? Yeah. Certainly, that is almost by definition, psychologically, a narcissist, Bob. Absolutely, Andy. It's just incredible. that. Uh, nevertheless, I'm pointing out just the shallowness of the thinking of people that... You know, you have to take a look at the results. The uh, proof of the pudding is in the tasting. 
And uh, you take a look at what's happened uh, when President uh, Trump was in office, and now take a look at what's going on with uh, this. And what is, is is Biden not a narcissist? <laughs> I don't know what he is. It's right to say what Biden is. Well, by the way, speaking of Biden, there some in some camps they're trying to run together. Biden and Trump in terms of age right. and disability. Uh, so they, they're talking about age, just age, which is absolutely a, a, a purposely category to even consider. Right. Now, certainly, if there is a deficiency that has been uh, created by any phenomenon, one of them being age, the other could be disease or, or just a natural disability. Uh, so we're looking, at, uh, we're looking at them lumping together uh, Biden and Trump as uh, being in that age category. Uh, so I think that'll that'll be a theme that'll go forward into the into the presidential campaign, Bob. Great point, Andy. We're going to take another break. Can you stick around? Nothing better to do. Bob. Thank you, Andy. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected office. And you can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. We continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. So, uh... I, I know you've also uh, been concerned about uh, our governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, and uh, what's happened in his participation in the election. What are your thoughts now? Well, let me start out where I think uh, I have to start, which is I really like Ron DeSantis. I think he's a, he's a fine man. He's been a great governor. Uh, I would uh, sort of uh, 
create this image of Ron DeSantis entering the, the presidential primaries. A guy can be great at AAA baseball, but when you move to the major leagues, it's a different game. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Ron DeSantis might have eventually, and I think he will eventually, be ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. I think that as he entered this campaign now, uh, he was not ready. I think his, uh, I hate to say charisma is was absent, but I think that has been pointed out. He had a, an awkwardness about him. I think he was given bad counsel uh, at the point in time. He was sort of like lurking in the background before he actually announced his, his candidacy. He was not uh, going to officially reject being a candidate, but he, he sort of laid there in the background. This uh, annoyed Trump because of the, the trust loyalty issue that I think is, is very important to Trump. Uh, so Trump started to go after him. Uh, DeSantis then announced his candidacy. Uh, it, it was in no way fulfilled at any level of the national process. Uh, I think that that uh, has uh, temporarily, I hope, weakened DeSantis, I think, in the mind of many people, assessing Ron DeSantis as a future, uh, as a future political candidate. Uh, that does not have to be true. Uh, I know you're going to tell me that, and I will agree, <laughs> agree with you on that. Uh, if we look at, at, at DeSantis, even his, uh, his, uh, his statement endorsing Donald Trump still was ripe with his disagreements uh, with Trump. So he, he refused. He, he called Trump supporters listless vessels, Bob. Now, uh, he's created a certain alienation uh, among Trump and among his supporters. Now, I think by dropping out now, I think he can retrieve uh, what he, I think he has lost. Uh, I think he returns to Florida, continues to be the, the great, perhaps the greatest governor this, this country has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And by the time 2028 rolls around, uh, if he handles himself now in, a, in, a, in an appropriate manner, uh, that I think 2028 will still be ripe uh, for Ron DeSantis. At least I hope that is the case, Bob. Well, I, would, I, I agree with you. I think he dropped out at the right time. I quite frankly also uh, think that uh, uh, the, the American public has a very short memory. And by the time 2028 comes around, this will be long forgotten. Whatever happened during this campaign will be long forgotten. And they'll be taking a look. at. He has a great record. He's done tremendous things for Florida. And uh, I, I think he has a very, very bright future. Bob, as always, and I think we talked about this before, I, 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 I want to agree with you on this. I just have, uh, it may not be the voter that is the one with the short memory. It may be the donors with long memories. Mm. Uh, so as the, as the funds are built up necessary for a strong campaign in 2028, uh, they may be reluctant. I don't know this, of course. Right. Uh, but I, I'm just saying that how he handles himself now with the remainder of his governor, uh, governor's time in office I think will determine whether you're right about this, Bob. So I think that is, I'm going to call it, it waits to be seen in terms of what happens in 2028. I hope he is as he's everything that you believe he is, and I believe he is, by the way. But I think that has to be demonstrated during the next, uh, during the next three or four years, Bob. Well, he's not going to be the vice presidential candidate. We know that. And uh, you know the President Trump wants to choose a candidate that has a strong political future and ha- a possibility of being president of the United States. So there is that going into 2028. My point being is that it's the political landscape at the time that will determine, I think, the fate of candidates, including Ron DeSantis. I, that's, that's, that's true. I mean, the future is, uh, it, 
what, what is Casey Stengel's remark? No, Yogi Berra is that the uh, the future can't be known because it happens later on or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, we, we don't know the future, but uh, certainly we, we know political trends. We know how the, the political process works, and we can project over time with some degree of accuracy. So I think we're both saying the same thing, that uh, Ron DeSantis can reestablish himself as uh, as what he was before he entered the, the presidential primary. I think there's no reason he can't, but it depends, I think, on DeSantis, and I, I hope he gets better counsel than the counsel that advised him to enter this candidacy to start with. Uh, great point, Andy. Before I let you go, though, uh, I've heard uh, some, actually, Republicans talking about a carbon tax here in the United States, and it just is appalling to even think about. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, a carbon tax is being discussed by the WEF uh, at a Devos. Uh, we're looking at a, a – this has happened uh, across the board almost in, in Europe. Uh, the taxes on products, uh, 80% of products in some European states, uh, 2% in the lowest in Spain. Uh, but we're looking at something that is uh, a regressive tax. Uh, this, this carbon tax will be passed along to the, to the consumer. Uh, the, the government that's promoting it says, well, the uh, additional revenues earned by this will be turned into lower taxes. Uh, that never happens. Uh, once you reduce one area or uh, you increase the area of taxation in one area, it doesn't automatically result in lower taxation in another. Uh, it's another uh, serious uh, challenge to an inflationary economy. And again, let's just put it, if it is necessary, if it's an absolute necessity, as it is being positioned, okay, then you say, unfortunately, we have to go with this. That isn't even close to being the case. Right. We have with climate change an extremely debatable phenomenon. I, by the way, I don't see it as debatable. I think we have a clear situation where this entire issue has been propagandized right. by the left for their own political value. Uh, and I think there is nothing that humanity has to worry about in the area of climate change other than natural climate change. In other words, certainly climate has changed over the long <coughs> millenniums of human existence. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that may happen. I'm more concerned with the returning ice age than I am with anything that would be uh, something that would be associated with warmth. So we're looking at a situation that is at best debatable in terms of its value and one that is being used and is, is restricting. Uh, and by the way, one of the subsets of this is uh, John Kerry's position is that farms have to be reduced in their number because of their extreme carbon output so that humanity does not suffer famine. The, yeah. the logic or illogic <laughs> of that position is just unfathomable that John Kerry <clears throat> is advocating the reduction in farms yeah. to, in fact, uh, somehow prevent human famine. It's, it's, I, I can't even define the, any logic in that. Uh, and indeed, it just reminds me of Mark Twain's famous quote, what gets us in trouble is not what we don't know, it's what we do know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, that, that is one of the wisest things ever said. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, always appreciate your most great commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining Talk us. Talk to you next week, bud. Look forward to it, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow. If you enjoy the show, I hope you spread the word to your friends. Uh, that's uh, we, one of the ways we support our advertisers and can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.